Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Throughout the week. your great name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Dave. Ah, kids can be dismissed. The great exodus. Awesome. Man. I am so grateful to be here today, and uh, man, I just am glad that that uh, that we get to do life together and just kind of run through run through life, and we you know encourage one another, and we hold fast to one another, and we forgive one another. And it's just it's so good to be in community. And uh, as we're singing about the the I don't know what we were singing about. Where was I? We were singing about forgiveness or just the, 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 the God sees us. And I was just like, oh, it's so good. And many of us have been going through a, a, a difficult season, but I just sense the, the joy of the Lord here this morning. Whether you feel it or not, it not, doesn't matter. It's fine. But God is with you and he's for you. And I know this is a little out there, but if you feel like you need a dose of joy this morning, would you? Do you want to raise your hands? Luke and Shannon and I would love just to, to lay our hands on you and just pray just a, a short prayer of encouragement for you. Anybody? Dose of joy. Okay, great. Hey, Israel, do you want to join us? Thank you. So I'm going to turn this off and not... Okay. Come on, God. Thanks. Thank you, friends. God is good. So we're continuing our series uh, called Thrive, talking about five ways to flourish. And over the last four weeks, we've talked about a few different things. Week one, if you remember all the way back to the beginning of the year, uh, we talked about the importance of recognizing sin and idolatry and syncretism uh, so the mixing of religions and ideas and schools of thought together. Uh, the importance of recognizing these things and repenting. Repentance is a key to thriving. The second week we talked about the importance of serving others, rekindling our love for God by loving others and serving others. Week three, Kathy was here and she talked about how important forgiveness is uh, for thriving. And then last week, we talked about how important it is for us to learn to get quiet with God, to allow him to bring healing into the pain and the worry and the fear that is underneath the surface of our hearts and how important it is to to deal with that. 
And today, what we're going to look at is the uh, need for us to know our purpose. Right? If we don't know what our purpose is, if we're just kind of wandering around aimlessly, we're not going to thrive. Oh, I didn't have a good one. So this last week, Amber and I watched a, a mini-series on HBO Max called Chernobyl, and it was fantastic. Uh, and so it's all about this 1986 uh, nuclear accident in Chernobyl in the USSR. And it is an absolutely tragic story of the men and women that were involved in the disaster and the chaos and the destruction that was brought about by personal pride, nationalistic pride, blind ambition, misguided obedience, uh, absolute foolishness, and lies. It was rough. It was rough to watch. And uh, in the final episode, these two men uh, had been called, who had been called to solve the, the crisis, who had been uh, at ground zero of Chernobyl through the whole thing. Uh, and we come to find out that they uh, kept it from being much, much worse. There was a potential that 50 million people were going to die, that all of the, uh, the USSR was going to be unlivable for centuries. Like, it was bonkers how bad it could have been. And so these two guys, uh, Boris Shervina and, um, what's his name, Valery Legasov, they're dying from cancer because of their exposure to the, the radiation at Chernobyl. And they're testifying in court about, well, about what had happened. And they're trying to figure out, do we tell the truth, even though the, the US, USSR is going to be super upset about that and we're probably going to lose our lives or go to prison or to a work camp for the rest of our lives. And and they're wrestling through this. And Shervina, the guy on the left here, uh, he's coughing up blood in his handkerchief be, uh, because of the, the cancer. And they take a recess from the court and they go out and sit in this courtyard just a few miles from the, the location of the disaster. And Shervina says to Legasov, he says, I wasted it. I wasted it all for nothing. I'm an inconsequential man, Valeri. That's all I've ever been. I hoped that one day I'd matter, but I didn't. And, in the, and so this is kind of dramatic. Movies are made to be dramatic, but like, there's something about that line that just hit me. It was like this. Like He'd gone through so much. He'd given his life. He was about to, to give his, his freedom in order to, to tell the truth. And he says... I wasted it. I'm an inconsequential man, and that's all that I've ever been. At the end of his life, Boris longed to be important. He longed to be valuable. He wanted to be consequential, to have made a difference. And that resonates with me, and I imagine it resonates with most of us. Right? We often can feel like we don't bring much to the table. But the truth is, as we mentioned this morning in worship, is that God created you on purpose. He even placed you in this time, in this place, in this church, in this community on purpose. He has laid out good works for you to do, and he is saying to you today, you matter. Valeri, his, his friend here, says after 
uh, after um, Boris is like, man, nothing, nothing I did mattered. I didn't make any difference. Uh, Valeri says, no, Boris, you were the one who mattered most. And obviously, in our reality, Jesus is the one that matters most. But I feel like there's a, a sentiment in there that God is saying to us, we matter. We're consequential. And too often, we live in, uh, in, in comparison, right? And we kind of shut down. We, we find ourselves lacking. Stephen Furtick, who's a pastor from North Carolina at Elevation Church, he has this great quote. He says, The reason we struggle with insecurity is because we compare our behind-the-scenes with everyone else's highlight reel. That's a good word. I know it'll preach. I don't really need to say much after that, right? It's like, but yeah, and, then, and with the proliferation of, of social media, right, very few of us put our worst days on social media, right? It's usually the good vacation or the good meal or the, the date that we're on or whatever it is, and well, you know, you know, so I see somebody's out on a great date with their, their wife or something, and we're home having a frozen pizza, right, trying to just get through the night. Right? And it's just like, oh, man, what's wrong with us? It's like, well, those folks out having dinner and a date, they had frozen pizza the night before, right? They're going through the same stuff. But we think, like, what we see, this is it. They're valuable. They're really pulling it off, and we've missed it. And we cannot live like that because that causes us to retreat Right, to, to hide away and go, I'm, I'm just going to just get through life till Jesus comes back. Right? But that robs the world of the gifts that God has given us to bring into this world. And so what I want to talk about today is how insecurity, like we see here in, in Chernobyl and we see in our own lives, can keep us from stepping fully into our purpose. And much of the ideas that I'm going to share today come from Rick Warren's great book, The Purpose Driven Life, which probably many of us have read at some point in our lives. So if there's something good, it's from Rick Warren. And if there's something dumb, it's because I'm me. So that didn't go very well with my intro. (laughs) You can see I've conquered this. And so I feel like I'm in a place where I can teach this to others. So uh, no, I'm just So anyway, so what Rick says in his great book is that our purpose flows out of our values. So we need to learn to identify our values if we are going to live successful, purpose-driven lives. Um, And the problem is that many of us kind of assume that we know what our values are, um, but we've not maybe uh, examined them to see if we are putting our life into action to fulfill those values. So what I want to do today is do three things. First, we're going to see what the world values. Then we are going to take a look and see what it is that God values. And finally, we are going to try to take a little bit of time to, to think through how can we evaluate what values that we are living out of. Okay? So simple. Three things. What does the world value? What does God value? And how do we evaluate our values? So first, what is it that the world values? And we're gonna, to answer that, we're going to turn to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. This is from the New Living Translation. Uh, and it says, Do not love this world 
nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And from this passage, friends, we can see three uh, things that the world values. And this was written like 2,000 years ago, and it is just as applicable. I, I might even say it's more applicable, but that's probably not true. It's just as true today as it was when John wrote these words thousands of years ago. So the first thing that the, the world values is pleasure. A craving for physical pleasure is how John wrote it. And if we ask people, uh, or ask many people, what is it uh, that you want out of life, many would respond, right, to have fun, to be happy, to, to feel good, right? I want to be entertained. We are an entertainment-rich uh, culture. Some people seek out pleasure in ungodly sexual pursuits. Some people seek out pleasure in an overindulgence in alcohol or drugs. People look for pleasure in all sorts of, of different ways. But many people, and many of us, are just looking for that next dose of pleasure. I think this runs in tandem with what we talked about Last week, with every, we're looking for just that one more dose of distraction to keep us from the pain and the confusion and the difficulty of the world or of our lives. The world values pleasure. The second thing that the world values is possessions. John says, a, a craving for everything that we see. And it's... It's true, right? We are a consumerist culture. We love retail therapy. Amber and I have 10 pair of socks coming because we were depressed the other day. <laughs> but they should be good socks. They're Nordic socks? I don't know. They're really cool. There's a Scandinavian saying that says there's no bad weather, just bad clothes. So I learned that from the Nordic Socks website, and um, that's free for you. <laughs> this message brought to you by Nordic Socks. Um, we weren't depressed. That's wrong. Blue. Oh, my goodness. Whew. Retail therapy. You know that. Okay. We get excited about getting something new. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, uh, I, got, uh, I graduated from seminary. I like to say that as many times in every sermon as possible uh, in May. And I got a, uh, a late um, check, like a graduation gift from some friends that live on the other side of the country. And so I got... $50, and I'm, and I'm like, oh, man, this is amazing. I know, they're, they're very nice friends. And, uh, and, and immediately, like, I need a pair of wireless uh, gaming headphones. But I need them to be, I need it to work with the Xbox, and I need it to work with the PC, and so I'm doing all this research. Like, the day before I had $250, it didn't even cross my mind how much I needed wireless headphones for gaming. But now I had money, and I was like, oh, this is going to do something. 
maybe for you guys, it's getting that new phone, right? It's like, oh, I've had this phone for three months. I need the, I need the new iPhone or whatever. You know, but we, there's this consumerism, and it tells us, like, oh, if you get this thing, then you'll be satisfied. I don't know what your consuming thing is. Bow and arrows? I don't know what, I don't know what it is. Tractors? <laughs> what, what, what do people in Vandalia consume? I don't know, clothes, cars, homes, jewelry, technology, right? We just want this next thing. And a lot of us can base our identity on our net worth. Uh, there's people that base their identity on their zip code or what school they went to. But in the Ten Commandments, God calls us, he commands us, do not covet. Right? Don't covet, don't yearn to, to have something, especially don't yearn to have something that, that doesn't belong to you. I could tell a lot of stories about coveting, and I imagine that, that you guys could as well. But it never leads to the fulfillment that we want. It never leads to life. And the final thing that, that the, the world values is prestige. John says pride in our achievements and possessions. We want power and position and popularity. We want to be looked up to. We want people to think we're important and successful. We want people to, to think that we are valuable. Right? This is what Boris Sherbina was, was longing for. He wanted prestige. But the Bible teaches us that pleasures don't last. Hebrews 11.25 says that the pleasures of sin last for only a short time. And 1 Timothy 6.7 tells us that possessions don't last. Paul tells Timothy, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. Right, or, but I, I heard this little illustration, right? There's, there's not going to be a U-Haul of our stuff driving behind the hearse, right? That's going somewhere else. And prestige doesn't last. Jesus tells us in Mark 10, 31, many who are the greatest now will be least important. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. Right? And so... The world tells us that we're going to find thriving in pleasure and possessions and prestige. But the truth is that they will always leave us lacking. So, what is it that God values? We'll get back to these in a second here. What is it that God values? What is God's purpose for your life? And so the three things that we're going to talk about this morning are not, not new. Well, they are true. They are not new, but they are absolutely true. And we need to forget the, the idea of purpose being like this one little specific path that God has created for us from the dawn of time. We do have a, a path to walk in life. And we're going to look at that in a moment here. But for most of us, we get to step into these purposes, whether we decide to go to MSU or, the, or U of M, 
right? Whether we decide to be farmers or lawyers, whether we decide to marry this person or that person, right? Those decisions, though valuable and important, and we want to seek God for his, his will, like we're not going to, oh, shoot, I, I went to CMU instead of WMU. I've missed God's purpose for my life, right? That's not going to ever happen, right? But whatever we choose to do, Whatever uh, choices that we make, within the midst of those choices, we find fulfillment and purpose by putting these three values of, of God into action in our lives. Does that make sense? I just trust that it does. So, thank you. The first thing uh, that God values is being God's friend. That's a good word. John chapter 15, verse 13 to 15 says, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me good. We have been invited into an intimate and and personal relationship and friendship with Jesus. Jesus, as we mentioned earlier, has bridged the gap of sin that that kept us separated from the Father. And now we can draw near to him. We can be friends of God just like Abraham was and just like Moses was. We can hear his voice. We can walk with him. We can receive his peace and his joy and his love in the midst of all the craziness that life throws at us. I don't know if you guys are like me and are big fans of the Westminster Shorter Catechism, um, but uh, actually I only know question and answer number one from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. So I guess you could say I'm I'm a fan of this very small part of it. And the Catechism has been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. It was just a tool that churches used to teach doctrines and teach, you know, truth to uh, people. And so this Catechism question, the first one, the foundational question is, what is the chief end of man? What is our purpose? What is going to cause us to step into thriving? Their answer And this was written hundreds of years ago. It blows me away. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And that enjoyment doesn't start when we die and we go up into heaven or actually when the earth is recreated and we have wonderful lives here on the new earth. Um, But we get to enjoy him right now. Like that is an important part of our faith. That, that this is what we, we get to enjoy him. And so having a good time in life is good, right? Do you guys see, oh my gosh, the Da Vinci Code came out like 25 years ago at Tom Hanks. And there was, these, there was this cult, and they, I think they were protecting some relic or something, I don't remember. And there were these guys, uh, these cult members, that would, which would, they would whip themselves to, to show their, how much they were... Uh, Committed, yeah, that's the right word, committed to, to God and the things that they had been calling them to, right? And, and sometimes, though, 
we never do that. If you are do if you are beating yourself, please come talk to me. We will talk talk through that. Um, but but we, so we don't physically hurt ourselves normally. But some of us think that the mo- the most godly thing we can do is the hardest, most self-sacrificial thing. Like that's what makes God the happiest. Man, I really don't want to be a missionary in Africa, but I want God to know how committed I am, and so I'm going to go do this thing that I wasn't created for and I don't enjoy. Right? Like, no, that's not what God wants from you. God wants you to enjoy life. He's given you gifts. He's given you desires, right? And so step into those, because you can bring glory to God in whatever thing that you have been called to do. Right? So be God's friend. Enjoy him. Enjoy his presence. Bring him with you into all of life. And so the question we need to, to ask, not the catechism question, but the question we want to, to ask about this is, you know, how am I cultivating a friendship with God? And last year we talked about the soul search. Talked about it a couple weeks ago as well. This this idea of uh, of a tool that we use at, at New Day here to evaluate where we are in our relationship with God. And there's four areas: Scripture, our relationship with others, our upwards, our relationship with God, and our and our life. You know, how is the structure of our life? Is this moving us towards God, away from God, or am I just feeling stuck? And so that is one thing, and we often use that in our community groups to help one another run after God, to run after cultivating a friendship with God. Okay? So that's the first thing that God uh, cares about. He values. He values us having a friendship with him, us enjoying life. The second thing that God values is helping others. Right? We start by being God's friend, but we... Uh, we've learned over and over again. Sometimes I go, Amber, do I just say the same things over and over and over again? I'm sorry if that's the case. But uh, we, we are friends with God, but that we cannot separate love from God for love for people. Right? And so if we love God, we're just going to naturally more and more care for people. And we are not going to thrive. We're not going to find our fulfillment. We're not going to find our purpose unless uh, and, and, and we also value this. If we are willing to lay our lives down, to, to take up our cross to serve others, to take up our cross, and, and it sometimes doesn't feel good, right? And you take up your cross and you got those splinters kind of jabbing into your back and it's like, well, this can't be good because this is painful. Well, sometimes good is painful. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. That's a good word. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. And so we need to ask ourselves, what gift, what talent, what ability has God given me and how do I use this to help others. And sometimes this is a, a volunteer thing that you do or it's unpaid work that you do and sometimes it's paid work. Like none of that really matters, right? Don't, if, if you're getting paid for 
serving others. Like, so Amber works at, at Head Start. I didn't ask Amber if I could use this illustration, but Amber works for, for Head Start uh, in, in Kalamazoo County. And so her, one part of her job is making sure that social, socioeconomically challenged folks in Kalamazoo County have food for their preschoolers. And so sometimes she's picking up food from one place and delivering it to this house or to another. And like that is, that is a great way to serve and to love other people. And yes, yeah, she gets paid for it, but that doesn't mean like, oh, I'm not doing anything, right? I know some, some folks uh, whose lives are consumed with caring for, for little kids, right? And it's like, oh, this takes all of my time and my energy. How am I supposed to serve people when I'm so consumed by this? Hey, good news, you're serving people way more than most of us are, right? 24-7. My kids don't take any, they don't need any attention anymore. Well, they do need a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of attention, but it's totally different than having little kids, right? And so, like, don't dismiss the, the gifting and the calling and the season of life that you are in, because that is valuable. It bears witness of the goodness of God that you give yourself to that situation, Right? Sometimes those kids are going to grow up and you're going to have more time to maybe do some volunteer work or whatever. But don't rush it. And don't dismiss what you are called to do. How are you serving people? I'm going to move on for time's sake. Uh, the third thing that God values is influencing your world. How are you influencing your world? Oh, I went the wrong way. How are you influencing your world? Mark 16, 15, Jesus says, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. We're not called to, to retreat from the world, to, to form little communes and, and, and hide from, from real life, stick our heads in the sands, wait for uh, Jesus to come back. No, we're actually salt. Salt has a purpose. We're actually light. Right? And light has a purpose to, to illuminate things. I, I, uh, I'm sure I stole this from somebody, but when you know, I think we're the, we're, the, we're the salt, I think we're the Jesus spice in the world, right? We get to, to come and, and sprinkle Jesus spice around. It's, I don't know if that's a weird thing to say or it's a good thing. Either way, right? Like we get to bring this saltiness into our world. And we are doing ourselves, we're doing God, we're doing the world a disservice if we just keep our spiciness to ourselves. And so we need to ask, how am I representing Jesus? Oh, wait, I got a quote. That's a long quote. Where'd that go? That's not in my notes. It should be. Guys, don't worry. I've got everything under control here. Huh. I must have deleted that in this edition of my notes. But this is a quote from, from a book that I read regarding this idea of influencing the world. And it says, Jesus lived in the world. He moved around different parts of society. Religious leaders, tax collectors, children, needy people, sinners, all kinds of people from all walks of life in different sections of society. He was a friend of sinners. He spent time with them. They saw his life, heard his words, felt his heart. He was comfortable around them. Yet he did not compromise his lifestyle or his character. Right? And so how do we do that? 
How do we move around these different uh, sections of, of the world, Pe- this pluralistic society that, that we live in? Some people think like us. Some people think radically different. Some people look like us. Some people look radically different, right? And how do we move amongst them and reveal the, the love of, of God in all of these ways, or all these places, yet holding on to, uh, you know, righteousness, holding on to the ethics and the morality that we learn from the Word of God. Sometimes this is challenging, and we're entering into a season. We're not entering. We're in a season in our country, right, in our culture, that like we are surrounded by people that think differently than us and sometimes see the things that we believe as, a, like not only is that interesting to think, but that is offensive. Like you are wounding me by that thought. And I don't really have time to get into that more deeply, though I'd love to chat with anybody that has questions, right? But we need to work hard to go, how do we hold on to truth and grace in this world? Because truth can just be a hammer that causes people to, to run fleeing from Christians. Right? At, at one time, Christians were known as the love your enemy people. Like that is a bonkers idea. Guess what? We're no longer known as the love your enemy people. Too often. (laughs) So we want to ask this question, how do we move the needle? How can we cause people to say, oh, that's Mark. He's one of those love your enemy people. Like, oh, that's Joe and Katie. They're from New Day. They're those love your enemy people. They're a little bit weird, but there's something interesting about them. (laughs) Not you guys. You guys aren't weird. You know what I meant. Oh, my goodness. Right? Christians used to be known as the love your enemy people. So how are we influencing the world? How are we representing Jesus in the marketplace and on social media and in the you know in our in our homes in our communities? And so these are the things that God values. The world values pleasure, possessions, prestige, God's values, being God's friend, helping others, influencing the world. And we all know the right answer. What are, what are your values? Oh, certainly. It's all the stuff on the right. It's all the stuff on the right. We know the right answer, but what we need to do in our quiet time is, is look at, at these values, the world's values and God's values, and go, are these my values? Really? Like, maybe you're not honest with anybody else, but in the quiet of your own closet, in the quiet of your own prayer room, go, are these my values? Really? God, would you reveal the truth? And here, here's a little, a, a little note. All this stuff, the world values, pleasures, possessions, and prestige, those aren't inherently bad. These can be the, the blessing, the outflow of, of coming uh, and running after Jesus, but they should be byproducts of, of serving him. Right? They're not our first order values. So I'm not saying we shouldn't have fun, we shouldn't have possessions, and we shouldn't look for value in people's eyes. Like Those are good things. They just aren't first order values. And so if we're going to ask this question, are these my values really? 
Are these my values really? There's three things that we can look at to identify um, what purpose, what values we're living out of. Uh, I don't remember if I made it. Oh, I did that. We can look at our schedule. We can look at our budget. And we can look at our relationships, where we spend our time. And so I would encourage you guys, as you ask this question, are these my values really? That you would look at these three areas, schedule, budget, your relationship. Maybe you, you know, go online, you print out a, a, a week schedule and fill in what you do with, with your time. If you don't have a budget, you should get a budget. It's a good thing. And go, where does my money actually go? And what does that reveal? Look, and your schedule can show you who is it that I'm hanging out with and, and why. And so as you, as you do these things, as you kind of take these notes in these areas, think to yourself, if there was an objective viewer that just, you know, maybe it's a hundred years from now, a, an archaeologist discovers your, your schedule and your, your budget, and he looks at it, what would they say that your values are? Is it going to match up with what you think your values are? <laughs> I thought that was good too. So, yeah. That's all I've got. Okay. They say in, in, in all public speaking, you should write your conclusion. <laughs> I should remind myself that. Put that on my back, my notebook. Anyway, so, yeah. Guys, we want to pursue what God values and God's purposes. Because as we do that, as we give ourselves to being a friend of God, disciplining ourselves to seek Him, when we give ourselves to being willing to wash one another's feet like Jesus did, right? when, we, when we give ourselves to bearing witness in a good and healthy way of Jesus in our communities, that is when we are going to step into the full, abundant, thriving life that God has for us. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. And Lord, we confess, Lord, that there's been many times that, that we have run after what the world values. Lord, we've run after pleasure and prestige and possessions. And Lord, we have neglected our friendship with you. We've neglected serving others. We've neglected being good witnesses of you in our spheres of influence. And so, Lord, as we uh, go home, I pray that over the next week, as we ask these questions, are these my values really? Holy Spirit, would you reveal anything where we need to repent? Lord, would you reveal any idol that has climbed up onto the throne of our lives? Anything that has usurped your position. Lord, we're so grateful that uh, your word says that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us. That you restore us back into right relationship. So Lord, do it in us. Do the work. Help us to live thriving lives, not just for ourselves, not just for our families, but for our community, for our world, and for the glory of your name.
In your holy name we pray. Amen.